All right, I'm gonna thank uh, Todd and Jamie in advance for being volunteers uh, uh, today. So thank you uh, for that. So, hey, I'm Pastor Mark and uh, this is E3. Welcome, very excited to continue in our uh, series five smooth stones and uh, looking at the story of David and Goliath. And today we're gonna uh, be looking at service. Um, now, actually, we had a good conversation about, about David and Goliath and, and what that has to do with service at, in my, at my family table uh, the other day. And uh, honestly, a lot of times I believe, especially with these really familiar Bible stories um, or accounts, that a lot of times we think we know the story or we actually know the story really well. But because we know that story so well, that we sometimes miss some of the most profound points to it. So today I actually want to draw out from you guys uh, the story and hopefully uh, together we can, we can really experience the story of David and Goliath in, in a new way, but not only a new way, that some of, uh, maybe that some of the things that God really wanted us to get out of uh, preserving this story, that it'll actually transform our lives. So there's going to need, there's lots of audience participation, okay? You guys got to participate or this is not going to work very well. So, um, so thinking about David and Goliath, who are some of the main characters who are associated in this story? Saul, okay. King Saul, David, obviously. The brothers, okay. We got the brothers and in the family. Who else? His dad, okay. Who else is... Whose else is in this story? The lion and the bear. <laughs> the lion and the bear are long deceased, but yeah, they do get mentioned. Uh, so, Goliath, yeah. Uh, Goliath and God and Philistines. Okay, that's where I was trying to get to. The Philistines are there. And who's on the other side? I'll help you out a little bit. Okay, the Israelites. Okay, so. We have a lot of people who are on this uh, battlefield, and you have the Philistines, right, and who are, you know, the enemy of the Israelites. Who are the Israelites? God's chosen people. In fact, a lot of times, especially in the Western culture and then we live in, that uh, a lot of times we think about the Israelites, how we think about, like, perhaps our country or our nation or something like that, but it's quite different Israelites really thought of themselves more as how we view ourselves as the church, as the body of Christ. That yes, they were a nation, but also that they were God's chosen people. And, and how they went and how they obeyed really reflected on, on how they saw God and how well they were following God. Okay, so tell me about David. He's young, probably about 13, yeah, we don't really know, but young. So uh, he's a shepherd. Okay, so he's a shepherd, and, and what else? He has a lot of self-confidence. Okay, he has a lot of self-confidence. What else about David? He's the youngest of, in his family, um, so he's the youngest. All right, let's talk about Goliath. What do we know about Goliath? He's big. He's big and scary. Okay, he's big and scary. So how, how, how big is he? Anybody? 
So, yeah, in, in different, different um, ancient scripture go from anywhere from uh, seven feet all the way to over nine feet. Now, let me ask you, uh, what was the average height of, of men? Um, five, two. There we go. So five, two. So actually, uh, I was, uh, uh, Google is a great resource. And there's actually somebody in our culture that we can actually start to kind of get an idea of the scale of, of the difference between these two men. And that is Shaquille O'Neal and Nicole Hoops, Alexandra. So Shaq is 7-1. Shaq is 7-1 and Hoops 5-2. So on the shortest end, you know, you have... Uh, uh, this kind of this idea like, okay, this is kind of the scale. And you can see she comes up to about his elbow, right? And, you know, but if you think if they're going to square off, you know, uh, you know, without martial arts or, or anything, they're just going to square off in a, in a barroom brawl or something like that. Who do you think is going to win? Shaq, right? I mean, come on, you know, 10 times out of 10, probably Shaq's going to, I mean, you know, this doesn't have anything to do, it's just he's a big guy and she's not so big. Okay, so if he was nine feet tall, I used the power of the Photoshop to scale him. <laughs> and that's actually, I used the, I used the scale. Uh, uh, so that is actually a nine foot tall Shaquille O'Neal. And, and I, I, love, I love how I Photoshopped it. He's so big, he ripped her hand off. <laughs> so I actually saw that. I thought, Renee should be careful when she's holding Dan's hand. So I was like, look at him. I'm like, well, that's pretty scary. Like a nine-foot Shaquille O'Neal. And you're like, okay, you know, hoops there. I didn't name her. That's her nickname on the internet. So I've never heard of her before this. So... Uh, not so big in, in everything. So then on top of that, you put some armor on Shaq. <laughs> and you're like, that's even scarier, you know, the big old sword and everything. And what, what else does scripture say that he had in his hands? A big old spear. Right. So he had a big old spear and everything and just kind of like, Wow. That is scary. So if you were Hoops or David, you know, facing Goliath here, that this is a pretty imposing guy. Does anybody remember um, how much Scripture says the tip of the spear weighed? 15 pounds. You know, much, like you think 15 pounds and everything, like I'm 15 pounds over the weight, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, everything. It's not that funny, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> You'll be 47 someday, and then we'll see who laughs. So I actually have, you know, 15-pound weights. These are the ones my wife uses. <laughs> Mine are much, much bigger. Uh, but I actually, you know, you think about it, and I'm like, these are pretty heavy, but you think, you know, just think about it this way with a big old pull here. And this is actually, I wanted, and this is where Jamie's going to help me, uh, Jamie, I want you to start handing them around. I want everybody just during the gathering, just pass it around. This is, 
and, and just kind of lift this up and just kind of think if this was on the other, Todd, if you get the other one, just to kind of get the feel of really the magnitude between Goliath and, and uh, David and just kind of what that must have looked like. Okay, so we have this, you know, the, this situation uh, going on. So going from there, now we have a better kind of feeling of the, of the scale and, and, and just what it must have been like. Why was, why, what was going on in the situation? What, when David came onto the scene, what did he experience? What did he see? People are, how were they being humiliated? They were cowardly. What are they cowardly of? Of Goliath. So what was Goliath doing? Taunting. What was he taunting? He was shouting against God. Yeah, he was coming out. In fact, Scripture tells us that uh, he was doing this. When David came on the scene, he'd been doing this every single day for 40 days. Now, this is where it's really important to kind of understand the nation of Israel. And and when he was uh, coming out and he was mocking them, he was literally mocking God and his power. It would be the same thing as if somebody uh, came to our church or, or the church and we sat there and listened to them day in and day out mock our Lord Jesus Christ, saying that he has no power, that, that, uh, that your faith is, is baseless. And we sat there day after day after day and just took it and never stood up or, uh, uh, for Christ or our faith. So this is the situation that, that David is coming into. So what happens next that, that uh, uh, you know, actually, let's take a step back. Why was David there? Bring food. He was bringing food to his brothers. Uh, basically, under the, under the uh, direction of his father, he was bringing him food. So he comes on and, and he hears the taunting and, and he's like, how long has this been going on? Why isn't anybody doing anything? And, and what is he told? Anybody remember? Yeah, he was told to stay out of it. Why? He's just a kid. That these are the, you know, the, the strong warriors and, and the army. And, and basically, he's just a what? He's just a shepherd boy. And he's just there to deliver the bread and then to go back and tend the sheep. But David didn't do that. What did he do next? He got, he got mad and, and he started saying, wait, you know what? Why isn't somebody standing up? Why isn't somebody doing something about this? So he went to Saul, the king, and he did what? He said, I'll fight him. And what did Saul say at that point? He laughed at him. In fact, he said, that is ridiculous. You are ridiculous. You know, and it's like, this isn't going to work. You know, that you're just a shepherd boy. And, and David came back and, and, and basically said, look, none of you guys are doing it. And he did something really interesting at this point. That, 
that he changes the conversation from Goliath and the fear and the scariness of Goliath, and he switches it to what? God. He, he, he changes the conversation from fear of this giant to this is a matter of our faith in God, and this is a matter of who we are as Yahweh. This is a matter of who we are as the people of Israel. So Saul says, okay, and then what? Take my armor. That's exactly what he does. And, and David's like, he, he puts it on, right? And he puts it on, and he's like, you know, it, it's, that's ridiculous, you know, that he can't even move in these things. And, and he's all like, you know, basically, Saul, no worries. You know, I, I don't want that. I'm, I'm going to do what? And this is the name of the series, so this is an easy one. What? He's going he's gonna to use a slingshot, right? His, uh, he's going to go and he's going he, he's gonna to go on what experience he has that he's going to go on on the experiences that, that God had entrusted to him. So he goes down the river and he gets five smooth stones, right? And then, then what happens? You guys know this story. Come on. What? He challenges them. He goes out, he goes out to face him. And what, there's an interaction between Goliath and David. What is that interaction? Well, before he runs toward him, what happens? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's like, he's like, what the heck have you sent me? He didn't say it like that, but you know, he's like, am I a dog? And, and all of these kinds of things. And what does David do once again when he's faced with this giant? He says, you know what? It has nothing to do with you, Goliath. The Lord will deliver me that this has everything to do with who I am in God versus, and my faith in my God, and it has nothing to do with you. In fact, what does he say he's going to do after he takes him out? Cut his head off. He is going to cut it. Now, I love this because what is in David's hands? He doesn't have a spear. He has a slingshot and five smooth stones. Now, I'm not a genius, but number one, if I was going to cut somebody's head off, which I'm not going to, like the, the instrument that I would use is not a smooth stone. I'm a busy guy. It would take way too long, right? And I'm like, maybe the sling, you can everything. But it's interesting. He's making this statement and, and casting this kind of like this vision out there of, hey, you know what? This is what's going to happen. But he doesn't actually have the tools to, at his disposal to actually do it. And again, this is a statement of faith of, of, of what he believes God has called him to do. Okay, what happens next, Darren? He runs toward him. Now again, can you bring back up nine-foot shack and, uh, and hoops? Imagine hoops with a little sling 
and you know, and Shaq in his in his armor and and all of that, running toward him. Like and it's like this anticipation of, hey, you know what? I am going to step forward that I am going to do this in complete commitment in the act. So then what happens? He lets the, lets the stone loose, and where does the stone go? Forehead. What's, do you remember what the scripture says, how it, how it hit? It sinks in. I don't know. My forehead's pretty hard. I just like the, the imagery of, of slinging that smooth stone, and it not snapping or breaking, but it sinks in. And then Goliath goes down, and then what's David do? How does he cut off his head? Takes his own, Goliath's own sword and pulls it off and cuts off his head. Now, you guys know this story, but do we really know this story? And I wonder if just even for a second, when David, before he ran toward Goliath, before he said he was going to cut off his head, I wonder if he asked the question that I think every single one of us would have asked, which uh, on the field facing the giant, what question would you ask? Do I have what it takes? Am I going to die? Are you really with me, Lord? This, this, this is what I, how the heck did I get here? Right? I was just delivering some bread. And now I'm facing the giant. There's a whole army that is meant to be doing this. How the heck did I get here? And I think that this is one of the most important aspects of this story that we really never talk about, is how did David get on the battlefield and face the giant, and as we all know, eventually slay the giant, and then eventually become king of all Israel. How does a shepherd boy delivering bread become a giant slayer and the king of a nation? Do you know? Not by being a strong believer. But there's lots of strong believers out there. Be willing to go. But how did he even get there? What was he doing? He was serving. He was serving. And I got to be honest with you. I was thinking about this morning. I woke up this morning 47 years old. <laughs> so, and I was, I honestly, I was driving down here and I was thinking just about my life. I'm in Tallahassee. Uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles, and um, I never thought I would be a church planner or anything like that. I, you know, I'm 47 years old, and, and I'm a pastor, and I'm helping uh, lead uh, Red Eye and, and uh, at, the, uh, at FSU in the, in the uh, DeVoe Moore Center uh, teaching social entrepreneurs, and, and, and I was like, how, 
this is crazy. This is not anything that I thought I was going to do. And I think a lot of what David was like, he thought he was going to deliver bread. How did all of that happen? I started thinking back, how did this happen? How did I get here? And the reality is it goes back to an inception point in my life. When I was uh, 25 years old, uh, I, I came to faith in Jesus. I was leading a, a family business at that time, a multi-million dollar company, and uh, came to a life crisis and came to faith in, in Christ. And one thing that my dad told me was when I came to faith that I should find a good church and a community to be uh, involved with and get involved. And that's what I did. And I remember I was so broken when I first came to uh, uh, the church that, that we were attending, Shannon and I were attending at that time. All I could do was attend. And it was hard to do that. And I sat in that church for, uh, uh, or was part of that church for over 10 years. And I can tell you there was a great progression, but it really comes down to a moment. There was a moment where there was not enough ushers, which would be like our greeters. Um, and somebody came over to me and said, you know what, you've been here for a little bit. Would you like to be an usher? In fact, I wasn't even allowed to be an usher. I was the pre-usher. <laughs> I wasn't even, you know, and, and so the pre-ushers, basically, I'd get there an hour before anybody would get there. And it, it was a traditional type church with pews and, and, and things like that. And my job was to go through and make sure that there was a Bible uh, in every uh, pew. There was like one of those little pencils. <laughs> so uh, there was like definitely the, 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 the tithing envelope was there. Um, uh, and then the other thing. My bad, I apologize. That's all right. God bless you. Thank you. That means something comes from a pastor, right? It's like extra good. <laughs> and also, you know, just, just going through there. And I remember uh, uh, through that and through that service, uh, I, I got to know the youth pastor and he heard my testimony. We were just in conversation one day and he invited me to go to the youth uh, uh, Sunday school and to share my testimony. And from that uh, testimony, I remember there was a young girl came up to me afterwards and uh, she gave her life to Christ because she, uh, my story resonated with her and it kind of overlapped. And through that, I got involved in youth ministry and through that, uh, uh, God finally put it on my life to, to leave the marketplace and, and my family to come to Tallahassee and to start this church with, with uh, a great group of other people. And, and I look back at it, you know, and there was this, this moment where somebody asked me, Mark, will you be a pre-usher and pick up trash and, 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 and make sure that there's, you know, Bibles and little pencils and everything like that? And that changed everything. And the reality is that 
That's the same place that David was at. In fact, when I start looking at Scripture, that this is a repeated way that God gets people into service and into being the tangible hand of Christ and into making a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't choose the biggest. He doesn't choose the smartest. He doesn't choose the most eloquent or the most experienced. You know who he chooses? The available. The ones who are willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to take this step and I am willing to do this. And as I think back on it, that, that there's so many just like powerful kind of just scripture and stories of, 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 of moments that service changed everything. And the reality is, I remember that there was a moment when I was still uh, a pre-usher. And I was going through and, and, and making sure the Bibles were there and the hymnals were there that nobody used and, and the little pencils and the tithing things. And also, I got to tell you, here's a little inside baseball of the pre-usher world. You would not believe what church people put in those little <laughs> pew things. Like, I find the most nasty stuff, like, like used tissues and gum and uh, no money or nothing cool like that. I always like it's garbage. You know, oh, gum wrappers too. It's like, come on, people, if you're going to put your gum wrapper and your gum, at least put them together, right? And, I, and, and I'm not proud of what I'm going to tell you right now, but, but I remember I was going through there one day, and it was like one particular, like, just like nasty day. And, and I remember sitting down, I'm like, what am I doing? And, I, and, I, and again, I'm not proud of this, but this is what went through my head. I said, I'm leading a multi-million dollar company that, you know what? I, I have skills and I have gifting and I could be doing so much more. And what does it matter if the stupid little pencil is there? What does it matter if the hymnal that nobody uses is there? What does it matter if there's some garbage in there? And it was one of the two times that I did not hear an audible voice of Jesus, but it was loud in my head. And I remember sitting there in a pew. It was almost like Christ was sitting next to me and he said, what if I wanted to write something down and a little stupid pencil wasn't there? What if I wanted to open up my word and follow along with the preaching? What if I wanted some recycled gum? <laughs> he didn't say that. That's, that's in the retelling. I was so convicted with that, and I, I got to tell you that it, that it changed the way I looked at it and, and, and the way I served from that moment on. Yeah, you know what? 
Perhaps I had some other skills at that time. But you know what? God needed to move me and use me where I was. And here's the reality, and I had a pastor friend tell me this once. That's a lot easier to steer a moving car than a parked one. And you know what? You can move the wheels back and forth all day long in a parking stall, but until that car is moving, nothing's happening. So I just want to close up with, with this and just some, some warnings because the reality is that, that God has called each and every one of us in a service. And the reality is it's nobody's spiritual gift to pick up trash. That's not the calling on your life, but it might be your calling right now. It might put you in the right place to slay that giant. And different things are going to happen when, when you step out and, and, and start to be the tangible hand of Christ. And we see it happen in this story, and it happens all through Scripture, and it happens all through real life. Number one, that you may be ridiculed. I remember the first time that I wanted to preach. And people are like, have you ever done it before? No. You know, what qualifications do you have? Absolutely none. <laughs> Why do you think you should do it? Because I think God is calling me to do it. Okay, go pick up gum. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and we went, you know, we went there. That, you know what? Again, God, you know, I think that this is something that the church needs to understand and get right, that God does not pick the one with the greatest degree or, or, or who is the most eloquent or the most skilled, he chooses the available. And unfortunately, the way God's paradigm a lot of times is a lot different than the church's paradigm. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, do you have any qualifications? The answer is no is the best answer. Because when it is successful, when God is honored, nobody looks at you and says, what a great job you did. They look at God and say, wow, he used that Yahoo. God is really great. The second thing is that you will learn and you will learn really quickly if you choose to go down this path, if you choose to be like David and serve bread and be available to face a giant is that, you know what? Those who have been sitting and doing nothing, like the Israelites and King Saul, are going to tell you how to do it, right? This, this is one of the big contentions in my house that one of my children <laughs> is, is, his name rhymes with boo, This is one of my great irritations, and Boo loves Boo stories. And uh, he's like, did you talk about me in church today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Dan told me once, don't be a sermon topic, right? Uh, don't be a sermon topic. So Boo, 
has not really caught up to the digital age, okay? It's not really his strong suit. And he'll go, Papa, can you help me do whatever? Of course, because I am father of the year. I will <laughs> drop whatever I'm doing, no matter how important. I know you're about to accept Jesus, but you know what? My son <laughs> needs me to change the font. <laughs> Hold on. Be right there. And I, this has happened so many times, and you can say amen. I'll sit down and I'll start doing it, and then he'll jump in and say, no, 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 you got to do it this way. And I, uh, I look at him, I'm like, if you know how to do it, why did you call me to come do it? Right? It's like, look, if you don't know how to do it or you're unwilling to do it and you call for help, if somebody's going to do it, let them do it. And this is what we see with Saul. David comes in and says, I'll do it. He's like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. But if you're going to do it because I don't want to do it, you need to wear my armor and you got to do it this way. Everything is, oh, time out. And I, I got to tell you, this happens so often. And I'm just going to be honest. The church, especially bored, lazy, disobedient Christians need to start, stop saying, no, don't do it that way. If I was going to get in the game, this is what I would have, this is how you need to do it. Need to get out of the way. It's time for those of us who are willing to, to deliver bread and pick up gum to get out and glorify Jesus because you know what? We've been sitting around for years, and you know what? There's still people who are hungry. There are still people who are lonely. There are still people in need. There are, are people who are, are marginalized. And you know what? I will take anybody, any day, who is willing to go and deliver bread and do something than somebody who has seen the problem for year after year after year and then shoots down people who are ready to get into the game, to walk onto the field and slay that giant. And then finally, I just, I, I love how David just finishes it off. And Darren alluded to it was this idea that he ran toward this challenge. And Goliath, standing in front of David, is every bit as scary as the Goliaths that stand in front of us that keep us from taking action. And when we do not act, the enemy wins every single time. Yeah, you know what? We may fail. And each week we've been talking about, you know, what's the giant that's holding you back from, from getting into the game, from worshiping or, or, or getting in community and, and today, you know, in service. And what is that giant that's holding you back? And for us, some of us, that's fear. That's fear that we may fail. You know what? 
I can tell you, you know what? There was fear leaving the marketplace and coming here. But the status quo was more scary to me than any personal failure. Stepping out in this new venture with, with Red Eye and casting the vision that, you know what? By the end of 2026, that we want Red Eye to, be, to give over $1 million to local and global gospel initiatives. You know what? That is a scary thing to say. And it's a fearful thing to say if I looked at it on a personal level. It's like, what if I failed? But what if we are successful? What would that possibly mean? You know what that would mean? That would mean that people's lives right here in Tallahassee would be able to break the cycle of poverty. That means that that people would be getting invested in. That means that people in Haiti would be trained to break the cycle of poverty and to be in power. That means single mothers would be able to have homes to raise their children and to be able to start getting trained as entrepreneurs. That means that in Uganda, that the school that we were able to help start for special needs children, that their next vision, their next BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal is to start the first after... 18 special needs home to teach them skills so they can be empowered. And you know what? We may fail. That giant may kill us, but that is more acceptable to me and hopefully you than to do nothing. Churchill once pointed to a map of, uh, the, you know, of, of, uh, of the world and pointed to China. And he said, if this nation ever wakes up, they will be unstoppable. Well, let me tell you today, let me point to the church. And we're not on any map, but we are present. And if the church ever wakes up, we will be unstoppable. And not for oppression or to tell people what to believe, but we well, and I believe this to the, my core. If the church woke up and said, you know what? I will bring bread. I will pick up gum, gum, that the doors will open wide open and we will see poverty come to an end. We will see sickness come to an end. We will see war come to an end because there is nothing that can stand against love and God's goodness for the world. And what I believe is when that mission that has been given and entrusted to the church is accomplished that our Lord and Savior will come and bring us home. Goliath for some of us represents oppression. And sometimes we're just afraid that we're going to be oppressed and, and held back. That there's going to be the power It says no, that you can't do that. I had a friend who emailed me who used to go to our church and now lives in Tennessee. He was at a youth Christian meeting and, and they had a 45-minute altar call where he saw his child go and get saved three times. This is a child that was, came to follow Christ in our church who was baptized in our church and he was heartbroken because that child had fear and felt that he had to conform to a certain type of, of 
religious expression. And it's all around us and we have to fight every single day for freedom in Jesus. And the last one I have is obstacles. You know what? There are always going to be obstacles that the enemy is not going to stand by and allow love to win. It will fight us every step of the way. But again, let me point to the church. If the church comes together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and we deliver bread and we scrape gum and we get moving, once that truck is moving, nothing. There is no obstacle that will stop it. What does the story of David and Goliath have to do with service? Everything. Because none of it happened unless one shepherd boy was willing to deliver some bread. You guys pray with me. Thank you.